At Bold Futures, we work to build communities where people have what we need to make real decisions about our bodies and lives. We are led by and for women and people of color in New Mexico and have been leading policy change, culture shift, research, and place-based community organizing for more than 20 years. For Bold Futures, culture shift means creating art, messages, and media to shape narratives that matter. From Bold Futures and part of the ongoing Religious Refusals Culture Shift collaboration, this is the second season of Heart of New Mexico, a limited series examining religious refusals and its impact on New Mexicans and their families. In our first season, we took a look at religious refusals, what it is and what it means. In this new season, we take a deeper look with a new set of conversations. I'm your host, Kat Sanchez. A religious refusal is when an individual or institution refuses to provide care or services to others based on their own religious beliefs. Across the country and in New Mexico, you may have heard about examples of religious beliefs used as justification for refusing medical care for patients. We begin the second season talking to a medical provider in rural New Mexico. Dr. Farinaz Khan gives us a provider perspective on religious refusals and its impact on New Mexicans. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Kat. Thank you for having me. I'm here. Um, so my name is Farinaz Khan. I am a family medicine doctor out here in rural New Mexico. Um, my journey to medicine really started with public health. Um, that is what I studied in undergrad. And through that, I was able to do some traveling to other countries where I saw um, a, a lot of disparities in people's health and socioeconomic outcomes. And through that work, I began to see healthcare really as a human right um, and decided to pursue medicine in order to uh, further advocate for that human right. So Dr. Khan, you had mentioned that you are a provider in rural New Mexico. What was your motivation to be a healthcare provider in New Mexico's rural communities? Well, I really entered medicine to be, be a doctor in underserved communities. And I think rural communities across our nation and state are some of the most underserved um, where they face uh, chronic healthcare staffing shortages, um, infrastructure shortages, and the population tends to have or be from lower socioeconomic status. So I, I really enjoy uh, challenges and working in an environment where um, I feel like I have to be creative on a daily basis in order to ensure that my patients are able to get the best care that they can in their communities. And is there a specialty or particular area that you practice? My specialty is in family medicine, um, but my particular interests are in comprehensive reproductive health care, uh, global health, um, addiction medicine, and structural inequities in healthcare. Dr. Khan, um, you have been at session before in Santa Fe, lending your voice to bills for reproductive health care and access for reproductive health care for New Mexicans. For that, of course, we thank you. But why does this matter to you? 
So I grew up in Louisiana and one of the groups that I was a part of in medical school was a group that taught sexual education at local high schools. Um, and in Louisiana at that time, along with in many other states, sex ed is not mandated in schools. And so uh, there was so many questions that I thought were just really basic about people's bodies that students had. Um, and so many things that they didn't know just about their own reproductive systems, their own bodies, how people got pregnant, what healthcare is available for reproductive healthcare. Uh, so that really opened my eyes to the gaps that we have in our societies in accessing factual information about our bodies and about this particular type of healthcare. And having access to reproductive healthcare is, is fundamentally important to the political, social, and economic rights of all people in our society, but in particularly for people uh, that have uteruses and for people that identify as women. And I really like uh, the way Sister Song kind of defines reproductive justice um, as you know, a, a human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, have children, not have children, and parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. Um, and so it was really important for everyone to have access to reproductive health care. And I think as a doctor, people listen to me um, going to these legislative sessions or having interviews um, has revealed to me that just by the by my profession, I have some power and voice in the decisions that can happen in my communities. And so um, I felt that it was really important for me to link up with groups like y'all, Bold Futures, um, and some of the other groups working on the ground on reproductive justice bills in order to uh, get our legislators to listen to what the needs of our communities are. With regards to those intersections of bodily autonomy um, and reproductive justice, so one of those intersections in terms of the framework of reproductive justice is being a provider and holding religious beliefs. So have you heard of religious refusals before? Yes, I have. Um, religious refusals are uh, laws that exist that um, say that healthcare providers that refuse to provide care um, based on their religious or moral beliefs will um, cannot be disciplined or terminated from their jobs. And in some states, it also uh, includes that those healthcare providers don't need to refer out to a different provider that can provide the service. And although religious refusals can apply to all aspects of healthcare, it's really focused on reproductive healthcare um, and LGBTQ and gender affirming care. So taking a look through two lenses as a provider and also as a person who gets healthcare yourself, what does that mean to you as a provider first and then as a person who receives healthcare? Every provider has a limitation on what they can provide, for example, by their skill set or their training or knowledge base. And it's okay to tell patients, 
I can't provide this because I don't know how or I don't have the skills to, to do it and then refer to the appropriate person that can help the patient. However, I think as physicians, our job is not to judge our patients and their decisions or to um, police their decisions in any way, but to but our job really is to provide safe and factual healthcare to the best of our abilities. And so in that in in that vein, I think refusing care to patients um, solely based on one's discomfort with whatever type of healthcare they're trying to access um, is unfair and disproportionately affects people that have already been uh, historically marginalized in our healthcare system. Uh, And then as a consumer, um, it's hard for people to know what is actually factual and true, especially for people, if people don't have a medical background or or may may have less formal education and know how to uh, vet sources online. And so patients are often told things that are not true or not based in science and based in medicine. And so um, that really distorts patients' views on the type of healthcare that they're trying to get. And in many cases, it's by perceiving that healthcare as more dangerous than it may actually be. Um, and we often see this in reproductive healthcare, and, and in particular in abortion care, where in certain states, physicians are required to counsel patients during the consenting process and say things that may not be factually true. That can definitely have some serious impact on individuals who are attempting to get the care that they may need, right? If you don't get the accurate information you have, you may make choices that um, you otherwise wouldn't have made. Um, Absolutely. And you may make choices, you may not make choices that you may actually want because of that fear or that um, misconception that something is more dangerous or more difficult than it may be. And, um, and so as a consumer, it's, I find it highly problematic that physicians or other healthcare providers may be allowed to say things that aren't true and without, without accountability. And, um, you know, we are seeing that also in the, during the pandemic, um, some, there have been some medical boards and medical associations that have spoken up and said that physicians that say um, things about COVID-19 or about the vaccine that are not true are risking their licenses. Um, And so we are seeing a little bit of accountability in that realm, Um, but there are large parts of healthcare where that doesn't exist as much and especially in reproductive healthcare Um, Another example being crisis pregnancy centers, um, where many consumers and patients go thinking that is a place where they can get unbiased medical information and medical care. However, um, as as people may know, crisis pregnancy centers um, actually have an agenda in um, dissuading patients from seeking abortions. Dr. Khan, you mentioned that you work um, in rural communities in New Mexico. 
So in previous legislative sessions, we have seen legislation specific to allowing providers to be able to refuse medical treatment to people who are seeking care based on their religious or deeply held moral beliefs. As a provider who does most of your service out in rural New Mexico, how do you think this would impact rural New Mexicans specifically? So these kind of bills disproportionately affect rural New Mexicans and rural communities because in rural communities, there are less doctors and healthcare providers to begin with. Um, there is wide doctor shortages and healthcare provider shortages across our nation in rural communities, but also in New Mexico. And so the options are limited and patients that may encounter these, um, these kind of providers may be forced to travel quite far in order to get the healthcare that they want and need, or they may not get the healthcare that they need at all. And I, I'm not sure, Dr. Khan, if this has actually happened, but if you do encounter a patient who previously was seeking, let's say, reproductive health care elsewhere and has encountered not being able to get the care that they may need based on someone else's religious beliefs, what would you say to that patient? Well, I would say that what happened to them was an injustice and that I'm sorry that they had to have that experience. I would also want them to know to um, not allow that experience to fully uh, make them skeptical of the healthcare system, uh, that there are doctors out here that are truly wanting to provide the best care and do right by their patients. Um, and, and so, um, to perhaps not allow this experience to prevent them from accessing healthcare in the future. And if you could have a conversation with other providers who either have used the religion or religious beliefs as a means to withhold medical care or would be in favor of a bill that would, what kind of, what would be in that conversation? What would you tell them? So I would really like to start the conversation with getting to know what um, what are the motivations behind their desire to withhold medical care um, or certain types of medical care. Um, and I think these kind of discussions are important because perhaps a common ground could be found. And by that, I mean, physicians that you know, don't want to provide certain types of medical care themselves can still counsel patients factually, can still provide accurate information, and should also refer to physicians in their community that are willing to provide that health care. Um, but to get to that point where, where we can actually talk about how to say, no, I don't want to provide this, but also make sure that the patient is able to get the best possible care that they can requires sitting down and having a conversation and getting to know what are the motivations and drives behind a certain person choosing to refuse care, um, in this case, based on their religion or moral beliefs. Um, because I, I do think that most people that have gone through the rigors of medical training and medical education 
have done with the right intentions of providing uh, medical care to the best of their abilities. And so we really need to talk and find a way where people can still access healthcare, even if the person that they go to is not the one providing that healthcare for them. Well, Dr. Khan, thank you so much for joining us today and being part of Heart of New Mexico podcast in our second season. We've really enjoyed having you on. Thank you. Many thanks to Dr. Khan for taking the time to be on Heart of New Mexico and for caring for New Mexicans. Continue on with the Bold Futures podcast by subscribing to Heart of New Mexico and the second season of our limited series about religious refusals on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and on our website at boldfuturesnm.org backslash heart of New Mexico. Also, follow us on social media as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.